Welcome to Breaking Through the Cloud, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the incredible achievements of women in the tech industry. My name is Jasmine Romero. I'm a technical content and training manager at Kalent, and I will be your host for today. In each episode, we sit down with inspiring women across Kalent and leading tech companies to discuss important topics such as equity in the workplace, navigating careers as women, work-life balance, career transitions, and building confidence. Through these conversations, we hope to inspire and empower women in the tech industry. We believe that by sharing stories of success and advice from inspiring leaders, we can create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive tech industry for all. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, Breaking Through the Cloud has something for everyone, and we hope you'll continue to join us. Our topic for today is conflict resolution. On our panel of guests, we have Carolina Peguet, an HR manager at Kalent, Lisa Kors, Kalent VP General Counsel, and Jennifer Kaiser, Kalent's Contract and Legal Operations Manager. We will discuss common conflict scenarios that often emerge among coworkers, factors that lead to disagreements, and strategies on how to resolve them. To start things off, ladies, welcome. Let's begin with some introductions. Carol, let's kick it off with you. Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Carolina. I'm an HR manager at Kaylan, uh, and I'm based in Argentina. All right, Lisa. Great. Thank you. Very excited to be here as well and talk about conflict. Uh, my name is Lisa Coors. I am Kaylan's uh, general counsel, and I am based out of Southern California. Jen. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Jen Kaiser. I'm Kaylin's Le Contracts and Legal Operations Manager, and I'm based out of Calgary, Canada. Nice. So all over the globe. I love that. Perfect opportunity to hear about how conflict resolution is an important factor in our day-to-day, -day, whether in the workplace and such. Um, so Jen, as your role in Contracts and Legal Operations, I think there's a perfect opportunity for us to get into the first topic. Um, so with that said, I'd like to ask you, what types of conflict emerge in the workplace? Sure. I mean, conflict is part of the human experience, right? So um, in the workplace, we tend to see kind of, maybe I'll call three main buckets of conflict that you can see in the workplace. And the first is, you know, the most straightforward, you got your task conflict, and that's related to, you know, work assignments, expectations, resource allocation, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it could be between peers, it could be between managers and their direct reports. Um, it could be between teams collaborating together on a project and can include things like, you know, creative differences or, or disputes about priorities and timelines, that kind of thing. Um, secondly, you know, you get your relationship conflicts. This is related to personalities and working styles, maybe leadership styles. Um, and the two tend to go together a lot as well. You might see, um, a task conflict, uh, with an underlying relationship conflict. And then you, the last would be a value conflict. And that's, you know, fundamental differences between someone's like closely held identities, values, and beliefs. Um, this can often come disguised as a, a relationship conflict or a personality conflict when there's an underlying difference in values. Um, so that's so why it's always good to kind of, you know, source out the root of the conflict. So, Jen, like in researching these types of conflicts, what is the most common one? Or I guess kind of, can you speak a little bit to that? Or do, do you know anything around? To me, it seems like, you know, maybe the relationship conflicts might be, might be the most uh, common because now we're dealing with people just on that 
a kind of all different types of people on a daily basis. But did you, did you find anything on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think relationship conflict is the most common or the most exacerbated by, uh, you know, if there's a task conflict, um, it cannot often be escalated by there also being an underlying relationship conflict. And so I do think that's where you get, you know, competing personalities or, um, you know, differences of opinion that can really create conflict in the workplace. Totally. Um, so it was interesting. So in preparation for this podcast, I really started thinking about conflict, how often it happens, when it happens, and came to realize it really is everywhere. And it happens, it happens every day. The severity kind of just, you know, is a huge pendulum swing, depending upon what you're dealing with day to day. But I think we all can relate to it. It, it happens everywhere in every job. So super important to learn how to effectively manage it. I will say this, it's very, very uncomfortable um, at first, right? I think we've all been in situations where we've been like the recipients of like an email thread, you know, where someone's using a tone that's uh, in front of a broad audience that perhaps makes us feel kind of maybe small or inadequate or just kind of rubs us a little bit wrong. Um, and then a lot of times, Sometimes we'll maybe be sitting in a meeting, right? Where two people will be sort of going at it and maybe maybe really overt conflict between two people sitting in a meeting, but at the same time, um, sometimes more subtle, right? We're conflicted in terms of like, hey, do I jump into this conflict? I'll, I'll see it. Kaylin, too, and I think a lot of the um, listeners or viewers really would relate to, hey, there's internal conflict, but as a customer service, professional services organization, any really organization, you're dealing with customers all the time, which adds another layer to the conflict scenario because, you know, the famous adage is the customer's always right, right? So if you're, there's a conflict on the customer side, you know, do you call that out right away? How do you deal with that in a way that's a soft sort of kind of conflict resolution, um, very much being deferential sort of like customer service provider relationship. So I think we all see it and I, I'm, I'm sure all of us have kind of kind of been witness to it on a day-to-day. -day. So super important to kind of just really learn how to identify it, manage it, and get the tools uh, to deal with all of it. Yeah, and like, I totally agree with what um, Jen and, and Lisa said. And, and to add like another insight, uh, I also think that sometimes conflicts have a negative connotation, right? For many of us. And, and they also, they really also have like a positive meaning. It's like an opportunity to evolve, of course, that nothing could remains always the same. So if we want to grow as a company and, and also in our jobs and in your personal life as a human being in general, we need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to face conflicts, right? Of course, um, sometimes we may experience different levels of, of success in resolving those issues, but it's always going to be a learning experience, I think, and you can always get something positive out of uh, that experience. So that is something that I also wanted to to mention. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's so insightful. And it's true. I wholeheartedly agree. It's like we often try to resist change. We try to resist challenges and conflict, but sometimes we have to face crisis in order to grow and evolve into a strong, resilient person. It's our own challenges that help us move forward. Um, so while we're on that, Carol, I want to ask you our next question. What are the factors that lead to a conflict beyond disagreement? Yeah, well, there are many, 
Uh, but I want to highlight specifically uh, communication issues or lack of effective communication. I know that this is like a huge topic. Um, apart from how uh, challenging communication is in general, uh, at Kalen, just to give an example, uh, we have additional factors uh, that could make the situation even, even more complex, right? We are a multicultural organization. Uh, we are located in different countries. We uh, come from different backgrounds. Uh, English is not the first language for uh, for many of us. Um, and well, of course, we can we, we can have different points of view based on on our background. So, uh, and additionally, uh, we are a remote company, so communication could be uh, even more challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's something that you're seeing too. Like, um, for example, when I first started my career, we were all sort of in an office and and you had people kind of just gathering, having meetings in person. Now, post-COVID, and we're, we're all dealing with sort of the new normal, which is everybody's remote. And Kaylin is a fully remote organization. You know, it's only rarity that you get together in a room with people. Um, and I think can resolve, you know, have face-to-face -face conversations and read certain cues of people being in person. Um, I think we're all dealing with sort of just the consequence of being mostly remote, if not fully remote. And so, um, you know, some of those communication factors that Carol was talking about, I think are just magnified now so that we're not in the same room as someone. Yeah, 100%. I was just going to say, you know, it's sometimes easy to forget that there's, you know, a name behind a, an email address or like a person behind an email address or a, a screen name on Slack. And so it's so easy to just see you know, a message in a bubble, in a vacuum, you know, without context. I think the benefit of work from home is, you know, the other side of that, we all see each other as more like whole people rather than just people in the workplace because we're all working from our homes. So we've all got kids and pets and spouses and significant others like walking around in the background. And so you do have a window into, you know, the other aspects of other people's lives that create a little bit more you know, empathy and understanding what other people might be going through. So if, you know, a, a terse message comes across Slack or something, you might know that people are dealing with external stressors and, you know, it's not all about that. And so you can add a little bit more um, context to to potential conflicts. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it's almost as if being in this environment has all, it's helped us understand the human aspect of everyone's lives, whereas you know, maybe years ago, it, we just saw the professional side of each individual. And now that we're connecting with each other, working from home, and there's communication challenges, um, you know, we're able to see firsthand that, you know, people are more than just that professional side. We're also human and we're all part of this um, collectively. Yeah, 100%. Um, one example. So when I was thinking about this, podcast and the topic of conflict, you know, I always like to think of, you know, a concrete example, maybe most of us can relate to. And, you know, I think we all watched Ted Lasso and, you know, the re recent season finale. And I think that's a great example of workplace conflict coming from that show. So, you know, spoiler alert, but, you know, it's season two, <laughs> Nate and Ted kind of have this big workplace conflict. You, if you're not familiar with the show, Ted is the, the coach of the team and and Nate was assistant and equipment manager. And, you know, Nate thinks that Ted doesn't appreciate him. He feels underestimated, underappreciated by the team. 
Um, but, you know, through the show, we also learn that he's getting that in his personal life as well, where he's feeling underappreciated, underrecognized. And he ultimately lashes out. Um, he does some very hurtful things. He leaves the team ultimately. And, you know, there's so many factors that, you know, um, if they had communicated better, if they communicated expectations better, if everyone was aware of the external stressors that people were going under, um, also resistance to change was a source of conflict in that situation. I mean, um, you know, if the characters did that on the show, it would be a very boring show because there would be no conflict to watch. But um, yeah, I think it's a good example of conflict in the workplace coming from there. And, and you know, spoiler alert, there's a, a little bit of a redemption arc in, in season three for that. But it's a really good example of how, you know, communication breakdowns um, and maybe people being kind of solely focused on themselves and their own ego can really create a conflict and really exacerbate that conflict um, if it doesn't get resolved quickly. Uh, you know, I may be the only person on the planet who hasn't seen Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, same. same here, no problem. Yeah. There's two of us. There's two of us. Um, but I can, I can totally relate just to kind of piggyback off of your example, Jen. So I think the way that, um, Nate reacted, uh, his name's Nate, right? The character yeah. reacted to, to Ted, I think is the way that all of us sort of initially want to react, especially like early in the career or just in certain scenarios. If we feel slighted or marginalized or, um, made to appear inadequate or, or something like that. I think our initial reaction just by human nature is to stick it to him, you know, or to laugh out or just say something kind of back, really kind of, kind of get, get even, so to speak. Right. That I've noticed feels good in the very, very short term on certain occasions, but the in the long term, that's just not the good approach. You'll notice, and I, I and, and notice this, I'm sure we all can relate to this. You'll do that. Initially, you'll do that and it'll feel good. But if you take five seconds or five minutes, take a step back, a lot of times you feel awful about it, right? And you say, why did I stoop to that level? I feel so silly or it's not me. That's not my real kind of character. And I think the more that kind of happens in your career or just in your life, frankly, you start to take a step back and realize that's not the right approach to kind of like, stick it to whoever gave, you know, uh, made the insult or did something to you. It really doesn't benefit you in the long term. It doesn't benefit the team in the long term. And you feel kind of not right about yourself. So it's it's really uh, a better approach to kind of like embrace what's going on, have a conversation with people, you know, one-on-one -on -one who are the initiators of sort of the conflict or uh, some sort of an issue um, and, and deal with it because as you, you kind of, respond in a in a negative way i think in the long term it really just doesn't do you any justice mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely it's you know it's that human part that the human nature right for our uh fight or flight instincts to be activated um and i think as we grow in our careers we learn to manage that but i can definitely see how even even as uh, you know outside of work in our earlier experiences when we are presented with chaos or conflict it's our instincts, yeah, to either fight or or escape flight, right? We don't want, we're not ready to fully confront the situation or we're going to confront the situation full force. Um, so yeah, I definitely do think it's important to, to pause. And to your point, Lisa, it's really important to make sure that we're not falling into that like short-term gratitude just because it, it's 
just our instincts to kind of react in the moment. It's really important to learn how to just uh, calm down and just kind of take your step, uh, take a step back and, you know, just follow a different approach. So, um, just to comment quickly, if you do sort of react negatively and it's in front of a broader audience, I think that starts to um, create sort of this atmosphere where people will view that as okay. You know, and pretty soon you're just, you're dealing with sort of the energy of people, of yourself, people around you, the company. It starts to become a little bit just negative, you know? Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's a really good point. So, um, what, what would you say are some strategies to resolve conflicts effectively? I think what I've come to find is we've all been in a situation where we've noticed certain conflict or been engaging with a coworker, manager, just people in our life. And we think that the, the one-off comment or the thing that made us feel kind of funny or inadequate or, or, um, or any sort of other kind of way that just didn't rub us the right way, so to speak. We let it go on for too long. We think it's just a one-off, right? We don't address it. Um, we let it go on too, uh, too long. My advice would be address it early, but not too early. So to my earlier example, you know, if someone fires off an email or, um, you know, says something in a meeting that uh, doesn't make me feel right, I think don't respond immediately, as we talked about earlier, the initial inclination of firing back at it and an email, you know, uh, that gets a real zinger in there. I don't, that's not, that's not the right approach. We, every time we've done that in the past, you feel bad about it and you think, why did I send that, you know, the next day? I, I think it's really good advice to just take a step back, take a beat, um, so to speak, and breathe and just process and kind of recenter yourself and, and kind of rise above the initial emotional sort of reaction that comes um, I've noticed too, conflict, when you're kind of going toe to toe with someone or have a difference of kind of opinion, and it's sort of a little bit of a power struggle, or there's just, just generally, um, uh, an imbalance there. I, I think a lot of times it's rooted in, in fears. It's rooted in just kind of imbalance of power, kind of insecurities, when I'm engaging in some sort of a conflict, I've noticed a really good way to diffuse that, even though it's so hard in certain instances, is to be vulnerable about what your fears and what your concerns are. If you're kind of engaging with someone and you feel like it's they're trying to one-up you or kind of, you know, um, make you feel smaller or win, so to speak, even though really hard uh, to do is to be vulnerable and be like, okay, you know, I understand your position. Here's my real concerns with this, you know? And if someone senses you feeling being vulnerable on the other side, a lot of times they'll be able to identify that immediately and see, hey, will you kind of step down a little bit and we're vulnerable with me? I'm gonna be way more likely to engage with you and to be vulnerable myself and to kind of come to a, uh, an agreement on a more mutual uh, sort of terms. I think the other thing too is um, language. When you're having conflict with someone, don't you, it's tempting sometimes if you're just annoyed or if someone's irritating or it's like this, this back and forth to use negative or polarizing language. I'd say just keep it to kind of neutral terms and ask questions as opposed to just firing off sort of opinions or strong, really strong words mm -hmm. uh, that would cause them to get into a defensive posture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
because I think if you say something and that people feel like they need to immediately respond on the defensive, then that's just not going to lead to anything positive. Um, and so I'll, I'll pause if uh, there to do you have a comment on any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I definitely want to hear, you know, just from everyone, because I think this is so insightful. But I mean, you talked a lot about vulnerability, which is 100%. It's so important. What is your tip with people that struggle being vulnerable in the workplace? I, I, you know, I think it's, it's so hard. I think a lot of us try really hard to establish this level of credibility in the workplace, right? Credibility, I feel like is just coupled so closely with this archaic persona of, hey, the really successful people at work are plastic, professional, very structured all the time. There's a lack of human humanality to the whole thing, right? My advice, and by the way, I'm still working on this every single day and really have tried to work on this this year and really highlight it, put it under a microscope, mm -hmm. um, is to try it, you know? And the worst that happens is you're you're vulnerable and it doesn't lead to a positive consequence, at which case, you know, I would advise you try it again. But I think what you're going to come to find is if you're vulnerable with your fears, concerns, sort of own insecurities and really willing to kind of the saying is tuck your tail between your legs and kind of like have an honest conversation. It really is a fantastic way to, to get, uh, people who are in conflict to sort of bridge the gap and come to a common understanding on something. Yeah. Yeah. And also it sounds like a lot of like self-awareness and being honest with yourself, you know, having like that level of integrity with what it is that we're feeling, because if we're comfortable with that, then it'll be much easier for us to be comfortable with others. I'll say too, like, there's a very famous saying, um, which is disagree, but commit. A lot of times in your work life, professional life, it's okay to disagree on something, but the true strength of like the team and moving forward and getting progress is, Hey, let's, let's agree to disagree on certain things, but I, as your team member, we're going to be committed to it. Right? Like, even though I don't hundred percent agree with the approach on something, that's okay. You know, like, let's just disagree. And it's okay that I don't agree a hundred percent, but let's move forward together as a team. I'm going to support you on it and do everything I can to make this huge success. Um, but I think realizing like winning isn't necessarily or conflict resolution isn't about necessarily winning. There's going to be tons of situations where you don't get your way. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. You know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not about winning, but adjusting, adjusting as you go, being open to that change. So. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the strategies, maybe um, I, of course, I, I agree. And, and I'm also going to talk about commitment because I consider it's very important. But one of the strategies that I find um, highly effect effective in certain conflicts is writing down a plan once you reach an agreement. So this could lead to more commitment for both parties involved and, and also as, as Lisa was saying uh, as well, there should be commitment if we want with a conflict. Um, an example, uh, if going like to, to ask, uh, an example that I can get from HR, which is my field, uh, is uh, when there is a performance review, a performance issue or conflict, uh, 
in those situations, we're always encouraging leaders to provide feedback, to uh, set expectations in terms of goals, in terms of performance, and also to write down a plan, right? Uh, in that way, everyone can speak and anyone is needed. And it could lead you to success in terms of uh, that conflict resolution. So yeah, I, I would say that, that that has been really helpful. And also another um, strategy that I consider could be useful is talking, if, if you're facing an issue, a conflict, you are stuck there and you don't know how to solve it, it's a good practice to share that experience with someone else, you know? Sometimes we um, are struggling to find a way out and it's just easy to share your feelings and the situation with someone else, maybe it's someone from your family, you know, uh, not necessarily at the company. And that person could give you a different insight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's another strategy that I think would be useful as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which sounded, it's really like relying on a support system um, on, on outside of, of work and being open to that additional feedback and that support. Um, and it's so true. We often forget that I've had to do that um, once on it, to be honest, I, I was in a situation where I was overstressed and, you know, I was just really spinning in my mind about getting a project done. And I remember uh, my sister noticed that I was stressed out about it. And she asked me what was going on. And I initially I, I told her, you're not going to understand. And she said, No, just, you know, tell me. And I opened up a little bit to her about what was going on. And I was stressing and she started giving me all of this feedback. And oh, my gosh, it was so insightful. So I think to your point, Caro, yeah, absolutely. It's so important for us to reach out to our support system outside of work because they're looking at it from an outside perspective and we may be surprised by by you know what kind of feedback we get from them yeah yeah 100%, i agree with that and i think i mean even um independently you can do a similar exercise where you know it's kind of like the objective third party so kind of re remove yourself from the situation and try to think about you know, if I was telling someone about this and then I was also the other person telling them about that, like, what would this objective third party think? And then you can kind of help deconstruct like your own ego, maybe, um, you know, recognize and reassess like your role in the conflict as well. If you're trying to, you know, be really objective, I think those things kind of come with time. Like for me personally, um, you know, I always just need to give it some space. Like if there's a conflict, like you know, go outside, go for a walk, like get, feel some sunshine on your face and maybe create some distance and some space, get out of your own head. Um, even that alone can kind of provide like a little bit of, you know, perspective and also like calm down and, you know, maybe yeah. immediate emotions aside, that's not always possible. So, you know, in a meeting, if there's a conflict and, you know, you can't just be like, I'm going to go for a walk, I'll come back. Mm -hmm. uh, you could just say, you know, all right, like, let's reset, you know, what, what's the main concern here? What are we talking about? Like, how can we come together? So, you know, it's like Lisa said, it's not win lose at all. Um, the goal is to really like reframe both of your priorities to like collaboration and find a deal like, or a, or outcome or resolution that you're both happy with. Um, so yeah. that no 
it's losing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that. It actually makes me think of a few different times that I had myself with our fellow senior executive assistant, Christine Show. There's been times where we're collaborating, working on something, and we've both, we, we've both just like looked at a situation and been like, all right, let's just step away from the computer. Let's go walk our dogs. We'll come back and the answers will come. Or sometimes we're like, let's just let's just forget about it for the rest of the day or we'll pick up on this tomorrow and the next day will come and then just ideas are booming. So I think, you know, Jen, that's that's so meaningful to say, you know, it's being able to provide that space and um, walk away. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like your mind just needs some rest. And sometimes when we're overthinking stuff, it's like, you know, you're spinning your wheels on ice. You're trying to think so hard and just trying to go. But in reality, it's like, give it a rest. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And maybe like you just need a snack. Honestly, like if you're receiving a, a something and like your own mood can like impact how you interpret that. And you're like, maybe you're stressed, you're hungry, you're hangry, whatever. <laughs> and you're like totally like reading this message or or receiving this feedback um, in like a in a heightened state, and then you realize like, oh no, there was really nothing there, and it was just me in the lens I was putting on something. Yeah, absolutely, that's great. So we've talked we've talked a lot about the different types of conflict that emerge in the workplace. Um, we've talked a lot about our different experiences and the different type of conflicts and you know, examples of how we would specifically manage something. We talked about being vulnerable in the workplace, uh, practicing practicing a little bit of, you know, space objectivity. And um, we talked a lot about, I think it was more so about emotional intelligence and being just self-aware of your situation. Now, just kind of circling back, i just curious to know what your take is on if you think that the effectiveness of these strategies change if you're working remotely versus working in the office. Yeah, I think I think there are pros and cons, right? Um, for example, if it's true that in remote environments you have only like um, less situations to connect with other people, and of course those uh, situations would be in a virtual way. Uh, through camera or in writing, so um, you also need to be like more effective because you don't have a lot of time to discuss and to talk around that conflict. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there are pros and cons uh, when it comes to to resolve a conflict, right, in this kind of environment. I think too, it's on so. With the remote environment, to resolve a conflict, it's almost feel a little bit more formal of a move to, to talk about a conflict. When we were in the office and there was some sort of, um, you know, let's just say it, not uh, not a severe conflict, but just sort of like you, you caught the feeling like there was just something wasn't right, right? And a conversation or an exchange, an email or in a meeting. You could kind of informally just pop by someone's office and say, hey, you want to get a coffee or something like that? It didn't have to be this structured sort of, hey, let's set a meeting aside or, hey, do you have a few minutes to Zoom? You know, it feels a little bit more formal now, which is a bit unfortunate because you have to you have to kind of take the, the extra step of really not just popping by someone's office or, you know, on the way to the coffee machine or, or something or the kitchen. Um, you actually now have to take another step, which feels a little bit, it's harder, 
right? You actually have to more, more intentionally deal with it. Um, that being said, this is kind of the new normal now. So I think pretty soon the pre-COVID days will be just uh, uh, a distant memory because we're all strengthening our conflict resolution muscles um, yeah. through Slack and through Zoom now. So um, I think it's different. I think it's a little bit harder now just because you have to take that intentional step, which is sometimes hard to do if you've been maybe rubbed the wrong way or have to address a conflict between two, you know, maybe your direct reports or other coworkers or things. Um, so it's a little harder in that sense, but it's, it's the new normal now. So I think, I think different, but, uh, but not necessarily worse off, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I think, you know, we, our lives are in text and writing so much more now. So maybe task conflicts aren't as common because you'll have Jira boards or Google Docs or something that everyone's collaborating on. So you kind of know what the goal is um, and, you know, what you're trying to get done. But I think the the relationship part um, can definitely be more difficult uh, when we're you know, we're really only interacting with each other, like in a professional setting. So, you know, we're not going to lunch, we're not going to coffee. And, and, uh, and so you kind of miss those opportunities. And companies do a good job of, of trying to to create culture and that kind of thing, but there's still just that face-to-face -face element is missing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really like that notion of, you know, taking it a step further and being proactive. I know it's uncomfortable, you know, Lisa, to your point, we could just, you know, hop into someone's office or if they're walking down the hallway, we can just kind of approach them and stop them really quick. Um, but I, I also think, it is challenging our conflict resolution muscles, you know, just being able to take that step forward and being proactive and initiating that conversation to resolve conflict. Someone was able to do that. I feel like it speaks so much to their character, you know, and I think that it's something that, though it may feel scary to do, it's so important. And it goes back to that vulnerability piece that you were talking about. So awesome, great. Well, ladies, I wanna thank you so much for your time today. It has been such a pleasure hearing so much about conflict resolution and about the different types of strategies, your examples, your experiences of how you guys deal with it. And I am truly, truly thankful for your opportunity to be here today. So that concludes our episode of Breaking Through the Cloud. We hope you enjoyed it and we're able to gain some helpful and useful insights around conflict resolution for yourself. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you again, Carolina, Lisa, and Jennifer for being such amazing guests and sharing your knowledge and stories with us. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating and review on the platform you're listening on. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at podcast at and you can find the email address in the description below. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.